are human beings, we live on earth. And you can do one of two things. You can either exist or you could live a purpose-driven life. Welcome to Navigation and Discovery with Cameron Singh, where I bring on people from all different walks of life with hopes that you're able to learn from their story and apply some lessons learned into your life wherever you're at in your journey of navigation and discovery. On today's podcast, this episode, we have Sherry Ann Hodge. Um, Sherry Ann and I uh, connected while I was living in the Caribbean, in the twin island of Antigua and Barbuda. And so we connected there through our uh, passion and commonality of leadership. So Sherry Ann Hodge, she's involved in the leadership space through her company, The Apex of Training and Development. And I won't give too much of an introduction to her because she, she goes a little bit more in depth about herself in the beginning of the podcast episode. Um, really hope you enjoy this podcast. Uh, Sherry Ann comes with a breadth of knowledge and experience and has is a successful entrepreneur. Uh, Sherry Ann and I worked on several projects together on leadership and training and development um, during my time that I lived in Antigua and Barbuda. So you're really going to enjoy this podcast, Sherry Ann still resides in the Caribbean, in Anguilla, the island of Anguilla. And uh, so really hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Well, Sherry Ann, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's a pleasure being here, Cameron. For those listening out there, um, how Sherry Ann, Sherry Ann and I connected uh, is during my time that I lived in uh, the Caribbean island of Antigua and Barbuda. So Sherry Ann and I were both working at the airport at the time, and uh, we found a common common connection through our passion for for leadership. And um, Sherry Ann, I think how did we how did we connect when we we're talking about leadership? Okay, so we were speaking, we were discussing the Global Leadership Conference, and yeah. I think. I connected with a pilot from Barbados who connected me with Marlon from Barbados. And he in turn told me about you. We had like passions, we connected and we began speaking about the possibility of starting a global leadership conference um, project in Antigua. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's where it all began. Yeah, and that's where it really all began. And uh, Sherry, I'm really thankful for our friendship that, and our relationship that we've had um, through um, our common passion for leadership. It was really a joy to work with you on a few different projects, including the Global Leadership Summit, uh, helping you with uh, your show, which I'm sure we'll talk about uh, in a little bit. But it's been uh, a real joy to just see your passion for leadership and uh, the good work that you're doing in, in uh, training and leadership and education. Thank you so much. And likewise, I'm very impressed with <laughs> what you've been doing, Cameron. You have really made a difference in this space by enabling persons to share their experience, their journey, because oftentimes persons see the outcome, but they don't necessarily have an idea of the mirrored of emotions and the highs and lows that come 
with this outcome, the journey that you would have gone through in order to get to where you are. So this is an excellent safe space for persons to share this and uh, kudos to you again. Uh, thank you so much, Sharon. That, that means a lot. I think I think during my time in Antigua, I was living in the Caribbean and experiencing a different culture and um, some of the work that we did together and some of the other leadership stuff that I was involved with, I mean, I just really enjoyed uh, the impact that that we were able to make in Antigua um, during that those a few years. But um, I wanted to start off by, you know, really wanted to highlight you and your story and your journey to where you are at today, uh, especially someone in a different context. Um, so uh, Sherianne, tell us a little bit about, about yourself. All right. So my name is Mrs. Sharon Hudge. I was born in Antigua and I am a training consultant. I did not start there, but I have pivoted into this area, an area that I'm very passionate about. I think it was inevitable because my mom was an educator, my grandmother was an educator, my aunt was an educator, my siblings, they're all educators. So it's pretty much automatic, I believe, for me to have gotten into the space that I am today. But my journey began over 10 years ago when I left university. I was unemployed. I did not know what to do with myself because I was trying to find gainful employment, but it was very challenging for me. And a friend of mine invited me to church to do a summer program with some young persons. I had to teach them English and social studies and I think principles of business, and it was for free. I, was, I reluctantly did it, but I said, you know what, anything to build capacity, especially in the kingdom of God, I will do it. So I did it. And I realized that I had a passion for it. And then I began looking at the educational space in Antigua and Barbuda, most specifically the after school programs. And I noticed that there were only two that I knew of, two major companies that were offering after school programs. So I connected with one of my fellow classmates at the time who was in the same predicament as myself, unemployed, just completed university, but did not have a job. So we began discussing the possibility of starting an after school program, but our aim wasn't to do the typical after school program. We wanted to do it to enable students to aspire to obtain a tertiary education. We noticed a lot of students will come with poor CXC subjects and CXC means Caribbean Examination Council subjects. Those are some exams that are required in order to ascend to an advanced level college within the Caribbean. So majority of them had four subjects and they wanted to do four more and some of them wanted to acquire 10. So we thought that didn't make much sense. Let's 
offer them an opportunity to get the minimum requirement in order to enter into the A-level program at the Antigua State College and then transition to the University of the West Indies. At the time, the University of the West Indies branch in Antigua, they were offering an excellent program that was heavily subsidized by the government. So we really encouraged students to take that path. So my colleague and I, we came up with the idea. We were passionate about it. He had all the great ideas. I had the drive and the determination. And I always say, it is one thing to have an idea, but it is another thing to really take that idea or that talent that you have and make something out of it through drive and determination. So I guess that's where our personality is connected. He wasn't necessarily the one that would move to the next level, but he had the idea, he had the technical competency for what we were trying to accomplish. So we decided to register the business and we named it the Excellence Learning Academy. However, we did not have a space to facilitate the classes. <laughs> so we tried to get a space. Remember, we're not working. So we didn't have the funding either. However, we were fortunate enough to get a location of space from a Hispanic pastor living in Antigua. And he was so gracious enough to provide his place. However, even though we had the place, the location was very far from the central location in Antigua and Barbuda, which is the town. So it was very difficult for students to get to the location. So there was another challenge. So we had the idea, we had the instructors, we finally got a location, but the location was not the best location for what we were trying to accomplish. So we had to go back to the drawing board again. So we began trying to figure out how are we going to get a location that is central and a location that will attract the persons that we're trying to attract. So we began thinking, we came up with the idea of using a public school. So we reached out to the Ministry of Education at the time when the idea was first proposed to the director of education, she wasn't very interested in the idea in the first instance. And of course, this is where your faith come in. I prayed, I tried to have faith, believe in God will come through. And I believe the prayer and the favor of God really worked in our favor. Because when we had the meeting, well, I had the meeting with the director, the meeting was scheduled, I waited for nearly four hours to meet the director. And thankfully, by the time I met her, she was looking for a document all day. And when I entered her office, she found the document, a very important document. And as a result of she finding that document, she decided to give me anything I asked for. And we, we had a discussion. She decided to allow me to utilize the public school at a very affordable rate. And uh, it, was, it was just faith, God, and you know that divine connection working all out for the good. And uh, we were able to use the public system where we had everything set up so we didn't have to worry about parking. 
We didn't have to worry about electricity, a bathroom, a table, well, tables and chairs. We didn't have to worry about a blackboard. So we had everything at our disposal. Not only that, we decided to go a step further because at the time there were students enrolled in the University of the West Indies open campus. And at that time, which was approximately nine, 10 years ago, the open campus was using the synchronous and the asynchronous learning approach to facilitate their, their actual teaching. So a lot of the students were not that much tech inclined. They weren't too familiar with using a learning management system. So doing courses such as statistics, math for social science, economics, they were a bit challenging. So we were able to offer our services because a lot of them just could not understand that teaching approach coming from a classroom environment where you have an actual instructor in front of you to use in a hybrid approach where in some instances you had the instructor, instructor in other instances, you had to engage with the learning management system was very challenging. So we capitalized on that opportunity. So we were able to provide CXC courses as well as assist the students enrolled in the University of the West Indies open campus um, in their studies. So all in all, it was an excellent journey. It was, <laughs> it was a journey that resulted in great success. We had 100% passes from the students that were enrolled in our program that came from the University of the West Indies open campus. We had around 80% passes for CXC and a lot of the students went on to do their tertiary education and enroll later on in the University of the West Indies. So all in all, I can say it was a resounding success. Oh, well, that's awesome, Sherry. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to touch on uh, was, I know you were, uh, you, you went through a lot of challenges going through um, this journey, but, and a lot of obstacles, of course. Um, what is something that you've learned early on when getting this idea or business started? Uh, what, what were some of the lessons that you learned throughout the, the kind of the early start? I think my biggest lesson learned is, and I learned it from my colleague, because there were moments where he was discouraged when we could not find a location. He began dismissing the idea of even proceeding with the whole idea of starting this after-school program. But I believe because of my drive and my determination, to really see this project through, we were able to get it through. I believe if I had listened to him, we would not have been where we are today as an institution. So, and in addition to that faith, that played a very important role. I was able to apply faith and a lot of prayer to my situation early, even when things did not seem as though they were going in our favor. I kept the faith and I kept pursuing. I have this belief 
that, you know, diligent hands bringeth wealth. It's in Proverbs. And I always believe that even though things appeared challenging, if I would just work harder, if I would just build the right relationship, if I would just pray more, I will be able to accomplish my goals. So those were just some of the lessons I learned early. And I think those lessons helped me along my journey. And some of the challenges were challenges that reoccurred when we pivoted to the apex of training and development. And because of my experience early dealing with those challenges, I was able to overcome them when they presented themselves later on. Oh, that's awesome, Sherry. And, um, you know, since, since we're talking about faith, uh, let's, let's touch on faith a little bit. Um, you mentioned how faith played a journey uh, throughout your, your, where, your life. And so where, where did faith start for you? Um, faith for me started at an early age. <laughs> when I was probably around five or six, I would go to church with my neighbors and my siblings and I, we went to Bible class. We were actively involved in church. So we always read books on faith. My mom bought a set of books, Christian books called My Bible Friends. So we would always read the stories in those books and the books came with cassettes. We would listen to the cassettes, we would read the stories. And for me, I learned the value of faith at a very early age. So for me, it has always been a fundamental part of my journey, whether it is my professional life or my personal life. I firmly believe that once you acknowledge God in everything that you do, he will direct your path. So that has been one of my mantras that I really stick to. And I try to apply it in every business decision and every personal decision that I make. And what what advice would you have? Because you know, not not everyone listening believes in faith, or is a person of faith, or um, they might believe in and some some other religion or something like that. Um, you know, for those that are looking to find what what advice would you have for those that are seeking further purpose beyond what they're doing and exploring? Uh, this thing we called faith and spirituality? Um, my advice would be this. We are human beings. We live on earth. And you can do one of two things. You can either exist or you could live a purpose-driven life. Obviously, everyone will not know their purpose. Some persons may not care to know their purpose, whereas others may be on a quest to find their purpose. I believe the foundation is knowing the Bible, knowing what the word says. And I honestly believe, based on what I've read, that majority of the books, the Quran and so forth, they're all similar. They speak about values, you know, doing what is right, giving that positive contribution to society, and more importantly, the importance of love for one another and love for God. So I would recommend that persons go back to that basic. The basic is studying the word of God, 
reading the Bible because the Bible is not only light, but it is life. The word of God says that God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto thy path, which means the word illuminates one path. So it is very important to know the word, know what the Bible says. Oftentimes persons pray and they pray what they desire. But I think it's even more impactful when you're praying the word, when you're praying what God says. So I think for persons who are unaware of what direction to take, who are unaware of uh, what their purpose is, simply just reading the word brings peace and it brings light. And once you can apply the word to your situation, because Cameron, I can tell you every single situation in your life, there's a scripture that can be applied to it. I remember yesterday I met with a gentleman who was unable to walk and he left to do a surgery. And when he returned, he was unable to walk and he had the mental fortitude and the determination to fight beyond his limitation. And he fought beyond his limitation. And three weeks later, he moved from not being able to move his hand nor his feet to being able to eat with his hand, to sit upright, to move his left leg. And he believes that within three weeks, I believe Father's Day will be in three weeks, by Father's Day, he'll be able to walk. And I said to him, according to your faith, be it unto you. So he believes that he will accomplish this goal. So by believing this, he would have developed the mental fortitude to press beyond his limitation. So I think it starts with knowing the word and simply applying the word to your situation. And I can guarantee you, you will see results. It is not an if, when, or maybe. Once you apply the word and you're consistent with the word, you will see the results. Mm -hmm. And, you know, during, I'm sure you, you mentioned it earlier, Sherry, and there are times when you feel discouragement, whether you're starting a new venture, whether you're going through school, tough times, tough times just in general in life and just overall discouragement. Um, what are some of the things that you did to kind of help you get through those times of, uh, I guess I would call discouragement, uh, where you really feel defeated? Okay, for me, I had a strong support. So back then I had my mom, she is one of my biggest supporters and my aunt, prayer warrior. <laughs> And I've had mentors who were always there for me to guide me along the way. So coupled with prayer, of course, because prayer obviously would help to increase your faith and just spending time reading the word. But I think having that support around you and for me, I'm self-motivated. So even if things seem grim, I'm going to fight to make sure I rise above what is being said. That's how much I believe in the power that is in me, that God has given me. So those were some of the things I did. And I also tried to serve a lot. I believe service is important, even when you're going through your low moments. I remember there was a time when 
you know, business wasn't doing well. And I said, let me just give this up and try to find a job. It was very challenging. And I remember my aunt saying to me, fix God's business and he will fix yours. And I began visiting the elderly home, ministering to the elderly, singing with them. That brought so much joy for me. And within one week, within one week, I connected with the CEO who opened a door for me to get a job. And I was able to see the hand of God move by just simply fixing his business despite of what I was going through. And I believe sometimes we have to separate ourselves from, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people like to say, oh, it's all about me. I want to accomplish this. But there are times when there are persons that are going through things worse than you are. And by you just allowing yourself to serve others, and, you know, forgetting about yourself and your desires and your needs and just offering that service to others would definitely go a long way because there's so much gratitude in it. So those were some of the strategies I was able to employ, having that support system, prayer and just serving, serving for free. I've served for free for a very long while before I started collecting money. So, yes. Yeah, I honestly think that's where it starts is is um, not only from faith where you mentioned love, but also serving people, love and serve people. I think that's 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 a big part of my life as well, Sherry. And it and it goes very far away. It goes very, very far. And you're you know, one thing I believe is those two things. The reward is. If you don't receive it down here, you'll receive it up there. Absolutely. And I just want to add something as we're speaking about service. I remember a time I were, well, a church in Antigua reached out to me to assist their lay preachers with effective communication training for free. And I was very delighted to do it because I thought anything to expand the kingdom, whether it's for free or for some sort of remuneration, I'm delighted to see God's kingdom grow. So I offered the service for free. And I remember sharing this opportunity with my former CEO who has played an instrumental role in where I am today, the late Stanley Smith. And... Uh, he said to me, don't offer your services for free. Why would you be doing it for free? So I said, well, it's a church and it's to build God's kingdom. So he said, never offer your services for free. Always attach a value to what you're offering. But for me, the value was expanding the kingdom, giving these lay preachers that level of confidence to preach the message. And I remember after he said so, every time I would drive, mind you, I'm driving for 30 minutes to get to this church. So I'm not getting gas, I'm not getting anything, but I'm going, I'm going twice a week. And I think this program lasted around six or seven weeks. Every time I drove to and from the church, I always remembered saying after the conversation with him, someday I will be paid and I will be paid well for my service 
someday I will be paid and I'll be paid well. And I kept speaking it into being. And every time I went to deliver the training to those lay preachers, I did it with such grace and enthusiasm. And what made it even more meaningful was to see how they have grown and they were able to deliver a sermon with such excellence and such effectiveness and confidence. And I thought that carried more weight than whatever remuneration they could have given me. So that is just another experience of service that I would like to share with you. And I think those experiences that I've had from assisting the students in church with the after school program that they had during the summer, assisting the pastors, serving whenever being called for free at that time has really helped me to be the shrewd entrepreneur that I am today. And I give God all the glory for that. That's amazing, Cheyenne. And before, I wanted to take a quick pause here before we kind of move forward with our discussion. Um, tell us a little bit about your company and what your company has to offer and also how can uh, our listeners uh, really across the world now um, connect with you and the work that you're doing. All right. So <clears throat> after we had pretty much taken a little break because I transitioned into the work and world of work. Um, we rebranded from the Excellence Learning Academy into the apex of training and development. And it's simply a company that offers consultancy services to other organizations, as well as face-to-face -face training and e-learning solutions in soft skills and technical areas. And uh, we are located in Antigua, Anguilla, and Dominica. So we operate virtually and face-to-face. -face. Obviously, if you're looking for any service from us, you can contact us via www.apexonlinelearning.com or you can send us an email at apex, A-P-E-X at E-L-A 320.com or you can contact us at one two six four five eight three eight four one six or one two six eight seven two zero five five two three our instructors are experienced experts they're globally accredited experienced experts that are passionate about learning and development and we have served over 55 companies throughout the Caribbean since we have pivoted into the apex of training and development. So we would have worked with clients from the aviation industry, from construction, financial services, nonprofit organizations. We have also worked with telecommunication companies, utility companies, tourism authorities, just a lot of different and very diverse organizations across the region. Well, thank you for sharing that, Sherry. Um, we'll, we'll do another recap at the end. And um, I really was curious, and I don't think I've ever asked you this, and um, 
I, I was because we also have that commonality in aviation, and I wanted to see how that played a role in in your journey uh, to go from aviation to what you're doing today. So uh, let's let's talk about that. Uh, so how did you get into the aviation field, and uh, and then what enabled you to kind of transition out of that? All right, so my academic background is completely different from where I've worked. <laughs> so first I have to begin with my academic background, which is my undergrad degrees in tourism management and my master's is in finance. However, when I was unemployed, like I said, while I was fixing God's business, God opened the door for me first at British Airways. So my first stint within the industry was at British Airways where I was offered an internship opportunity. So I started there. And while I was there, I was offered an opportunity in protocol. And that experience really enabled me to build strategic relationships globally. And after I left the protocol aspect of um, that industry, I transitioned into airport operations. So it was the airport operations part of it was more the technical side of the aviation industry. And I think that that side of my career taught me a lot about interpersonal skills, dealing with people, you know, leadership, it taught me a lot about conflict management because you're dealing with multiple stakeholders and you're trying to resolve problems. So as a leader, you are required to engage in problem solving all the times when you have issues of discrepancies within the airport. So all those skills were really highlighted, the soft skills as a result of my experience in the aviation industry. But my transition really, really metamorphosed when I started my Toastmasters journey. A friend of mine at the airport introduced me to Toastmasters International. I always had a passion for public speaking. I remember doing it as early as five when I had to do a presentation during independence. I also remember doing it while I was in high school when I had to do a presentation there. And I remember participating in an essay competition in high school entitled AIDS and Man, I Care, Do You? And I remember when I was a part of my school's pen club, the prize was $300 and I was really doing it for the money. So thankfully I emerged victorious and I was anticipating what I would do with that $300. I started writing the list of what a, a list of things that was gonna use the money. Four, when I went to collect my cash or check at the time, I was told that it's $300 worth of books. I was very disappointed, but I think that experience enabled me to see the value of acquiring knowledge. I always tell people knowledge is only effective if it's shared and applied. So I had that experience and then 
I had the opportunity while I was in State College to enter an essay competition again on, well, it, were, it had to do with telecommunications. So the theme of that, that essay competition was, if you were a world leader, what would you do to improve the lives of persons in your country? And I spoke extensively on housing. I spoke a lot on education. And I spoke on economic development, devising different tools, using technology to really help the economy to grow. So that was what I spoke about and I emerged victorious, but I always had those experiences, but I never knew how I could channel the public speaking side of me into an area where my voice would be heard. So when I was introduced to the Toastmasters program, I said I never knew there was a program that would help persons to hone their leadership and communication skills. So I remember the first day I went to a meeting, the table topic master in Toastmasters is something called table topics. It's a very structured organization. So you can learn multiple skills apart from leadership and communication. So there's a segment called table topics where you're asked random questions and you're required to respond within two to three minutes. The idea is to test your critical thinking skills. And I remember the table topic master approaching me, bearing in mind, I'm in a room with a bunch of professionals, bankers, very diverse team. And I'm being asked, a, a, a can of Campbell's soup was placed in front of me. And I was asked, how would you market this can of Campbell's soup? And I was so nervous, my palms began sweating. I began trembling and the, I, it wasn't because I didn't know what to say, but it was just the fear of saying the wrong thing, the fear of the unknown, the fear of the perception of others in the room. And I spoke for less than one minute that evening, probably around 30 seconds, if not less. I did not know what to say. But after that first experience, I knew it was a program that I wanted to be a part of, that I believe would have helped me to grow. And I developed a passion, an even greater passion for public speaking and leadership. And with the help of my former CEO, the late Stanley Smith, he saw that my talent wasn't necessarily in aviation. It was more in public speaking and training and development. And he really invested in me. He really ensured that I attended the, attended the different seminars, the different training opportunities that the Toastmasters program provided so that I could grow in that area. And I would really like to give commendation for the work that he did in my life at that time to really help me to be where I am today. Oh, that's awesome, Sherry. And a um, couple things I wanted to, to chat about uh, that just came to mind is as so i will just go through these so mentorship as i want a topic i want to touch on i want to touch on um you know purpose and calling and then lastly i would like to conclude on because i know now nowadays we're in a different uh era i would say i think there are more people wanting to be more entrepreneurial take control of their own destiny so i want to touch on you know what 
what advice you have um, for other people that want to start businesses or launch their own venture. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about is mentorship. How, and I know you, you touched on this already slightly, but I want to take a deeper dive um, on how did mentorship play a role so far in, in your journey? I think mentorship played a very key role because I've made a lot of mistakes, even though I would have started years ago with the high school students and the students at university open campus when I had to transition into the world of work, you know, to really get an organization to buy into your idea. <laughs> that was very challenging for me. So I have a lot of mentors. I have mentors in the US. My two main mentors that I meet with on a monthly basis, they're in Arizona. One is, well, he was in this field. So he's coming with a wealth of experience. He's retired as well as a CFO who really guides me with my finances. And of course I have other mentors in Antigua, persons such as Heidi Skerritt, she would have played an instrumental role in me being where I am today. The sound advice she has given me, as well as Lydia Baptist, my mom, she has just been behind of me, Karen, you should do it this way. You're doing it wrong. Because she too, she's an entrepreneur. So she has really been really a great source of inspiration and support. My siblings who have, they have gone before me. I have two doctors that are siblings. My sister, Dr. Belinda Patton, she's in the field of education. She's a professor at the Auburn University. My brother, he's with the University of the West Indies, Dr. Barry Casimir. So they have mentored and guided me along my journey. And more importantly, my husband, he has been such a great support system to me. You know, he helps to create that structure in my life to really help me to make the right decisions. And uh, my prayer warriors, my aunt in particular, Cordelia Thomas, she is definitely a great source of inspiration, always helping me to maintain that spiritual balance, always reminding me that this is one of the most important aspects of your journey. Even though you're adding value to organizations, you're not only adding value just for adding value's sake, but you're adding value to bring complete transformation so that persons can be kind to one another, that they could demonstrate that love for one another, where there'll be less conflict. And, you know, the conflict is more about achieving goals because we know conflict management is about minimizing the negative aspects of conflict while maximizing the positive aspects of it. So those have been my mentors. They have definitely helped me along my journey. And there are mentors that don't even know me because I read, I love Napoleon Hill. I listen to a lot of great speakers like the late, um, the guy from the Bahamas. <laughs> Can't remember his name, Miles Monroe. The late Miles Monroe. He's a great mentor to me. So I try to draw 
from multiple sources. I'm a person, I don't depend on one source for mentorship. And I not only receive mentorship, but I offer mentorship. I remember I would have partnered with the University of the West Indies Five Islands campus to offer an internship program so that persons, the young persons entering into the world of work would be prepared. So I was able to provide mentorship to younger persons that are starting their career so that they would know what to expect when they transition there. Yeah, that's one thing that's really important, Cherian, is um, having a diverse group of mentors supporting you. Because I realized early on, I had one mentor and I ended up seeing things from a skewed perspective. And then once I started to get additional mentors, um, it provided a diverse, uh, diverse thoughts and diverse perspectives on uh, to help you find find your direction. I forgot another very crucial mentor in my life. My other brother, um, Chester Casimir, he provided the technical guidance because he is in the field of engineering. So he always helped me to see things from a technical or a logical perspective. And I'm eternally grateful for that. So I think all these interactions, all the interactions that I've had in the past, they have enabled me to be who I am today, coupled with my drive and determination to really ensure that I accomplish my purpose, I think it has gone a long way. And I'm very thankful for those people. Well, thank you, Sherian, for sharing your thoughts on, on mentorship. Uh, I know it has uh, played a huge impact uh, in your journey so far. I wanted to shift the discussion a little bit, talking about purpose, passion, and calling. Um, what advice would you have for those listening is, you know, this, oftentimes, you know, there's a lot of thoughts that come to mind when we talk about passion, purpose, calling. Um, and I know some people are still trying to figure that out, no matter what age, you know, this is not just something for young people that they're trying to figure out. Um, but what advice would you have for people trying to find, find their purpose, their passion, their calling, and, and what to pursue pursue in life? I think the first thing is to do an assessment of oneself to identify what are you passionate about? What do you do effortlessly? What do you do? What are your strengths? What do, what do you do without having to put that much effort into it, but you're doing it with excellence? You're naturally good at it. So I think that's one of the first things to establish. What do you love doing? So for me, I love to speak. I love to impart knowledge. So even if you call me at the final hour to facilitate a course or to do a presentation, I'm always prepared. And I would certainly recommend preparation. So now that you've identified your talent, the first thing is to identify your talent or your talents, once you've identified your talent or talents, begin to prepare because opportunities don't come in a vacuum. 
you have to get to a state of preparation. So you set goals. Where would I like to see myself in the next one year or five years or, or beyond five years? How am I going to accomplish those goals? So you set your short-term goals, your medium-term goals, or even long-term goals. And I think while you're preparing, I think you should use the opportunity to enhance your skills. So if it means, okay, I'm good at public speaking, can I enroll in a public speaking course to sharpen my skill? Do I need to join a Toastmasters program to improve my communication skills? What can I do to perfect my skill so that whenever I'm placed in a position and the right persons are wrong, I create an opportunity for myself. The word of God says, do you see a man diligent in his work? He shall stand before kings. He shall stand before kings. So when you're diligent and when you're good at what you do, persons will come looking for you. You don't have to look for them. So get to that place where you are marketable to the point where persons are or valuable to the point where persons are looking for you. Whatever you do, do it with the spirit of excellence. There's too much mediocrity. Persons just do things any old how and expect, okay, I'm good at it. I don't need to do it with excellence. Always strive for excellence. Another very important key that I would recommend when you're looking at purpose and perseverance I think is building strategic relationships and not only building strategic relationships, but maintaining those relationships. So you can be in a position where you are connected with persons that are influential, but then what do you do when you connect with those people? How do you turn a connection to a business opportunity. And this is where preparation comes because you ought to visualize, how am I gonna use my purpose to make a difference? How am I going to use my purpose to have influence on the systems, the structures that I want to have influence on? You need, you need the right connection. We don't work in a vacuum. No man is an island. So you need people. You have to learn how to build relationships and maintain them. And even in organizations, I always speak about Robert Katz's four competencies needed in order to be a successful leader. The competency of interpersonal skills, being able to relate to others and understand them. But a very crucial competency that I always speak about it's the political competency, building the right relationships within the organizations, because within the organization, because if you don't have a relationship with the CFO, the CFO is not going to sign off that check easily. The CFO may decide, we don't think your department needs priority at this point, and you will become, you may appear incompetent over a period of time because you just don't have the financial resources to back your goals. So it's very important to understand these things and be passionate about whatever you do.
whatever you do, always have that grit, that that passion within you, even if it seems that things are not working out. Maybe just that little effort will take you to the finish line where you emerge victorious. So don't look at the circumstances because when you look at the stories of many great people, they failed many times. I, I can't think of anyone I've read about that would have done it once and excelled one time. You have to understand the journey and your journey will be filled with a myriad of emotions. It will be filled with learning and teachable moments. And it will be filled with professional and personal development. So I always encourage younger persons in particular, because a lot of times this there's a generation that desires a quick fix. They just want to see the outcome, but they don't want to see, they don't want to go through the process. I remember most recently, I would have seen the journey of a young man who is an entrepreneur who I would have met several years ago when I was living in the Bahamas. And I remember this young man was in IT. That was his background. And he was observing DJs. They, he wasn't a DJ, but he sat down under these DJs learning the skill. He learned, he learned, he learned. And years later, it's amazing to see that this young man has been in a position after years of going through his process, his journey of developing his skill as a DJ, of building the right relationships. He has been able to connect with persons on a global level to really display his talent. So I say all of this to say, do not despise the process. Do not despise the low moments because you can always look back at those low moments and say, wow, look how far I've come. It took perseverance. It took prayer. It took, even when I was in the low moments, that, that encouraging word from my husband, that encouraging word from a friend, a pastor to really get me through, but I made it. I made it to the finish line. So this is my advice, especially to young people. Uh, Sherry, and one thing you mentioned was uh, having strategic relationships. And that's something that uh, is very uh, important to me because I think over time I saw with the people that I developed relationships with, I noticed there was two different types of relationships. There was people where it was, we were adding value back and forth, but then there were some people that I was surrounded by where it was more of a, uh, more so like, what can I take from you? What can I take from you? Or they were friendly, but it was more so friendly fire, meaning they were waiting for that moment to, they were friendly to you, you had a great relationship with, but the minute you failed on something, they were quick to um, come after you. Um, now, I, through that process, I learned to keep my inner circle very small because of that, because I want relationships where you add value back and forth. Uh, what advice would you have with, with when we talk about relationships? And I completely agree because I've had 
the same experience sometimes the people that start with you and not necessarily the people that end with you and like yourself sometimes you would have added so much value to the lives of others and it's almost as if a seed of jealousy or deception may have been there but it just took the right opportunity to actually see the true person my advice would be to connect with people that have similar values and passions like yourself. One of my mentors who I did not mention, um, Mr. Darren Gilbert, who was with me from the onset, who always encouraged me in that particular area. He would always say to me, always build strategic relationships with people who have more than you or are on the same level as you are. And he always justified it where he would say, okay, if they have more experience than you or they know more than you or they can help you, they can be more of an asset to you. They're not gonna necessarily be envious of you or try to bring you down. They would be more happy to share their experiences with you. And those that are on your level, you both are going through the process together. But whenever you're trying to build strategic relationships with persons that are not necessarily on your path, it can become challenging because they may not necessarily understand where you're going. So the language becomes different. So the slightest thing would offend them. So you have to be mindful of those things. And it's always good to put people through a process like for us at Apex, we put our instructors through a process. So no instructor is facilitating a course for Apex unless that instructor would have gone through a process where he or she's evaluated by a panel. So you have to go through that process where you are required to facilitate the course that you will be facilitating or you are being identified to facilitate in front of a panel who then evaluates you. So you have to go through that process. And the reason why we're so strict with that process, because we, in the initial stages, there were persons that came with their degrees, their qualifications, but when they had the opportunity to actually facilitate the course, it was a mess. So we lost a lot of, um, business relationships as a result of those relationships. Some people came with their own agenda um, out of jealousy, I believe. They intentionally sabotaged um, some of the programs that they were facilitating. So I think the key is to connect with people that have similar values and persons that are more advanced than you are that could definitely add value to you. And I think if you are in a position to add value to someone else. It, it should be a relationship where you're helping them, you're adding value to someone beneath you to help them to go up. But I believe though, in spite of all of this, you have to be kind to everyone because everyone plays an important role. So it's important to maintain a good relationship or a positive relationship with everyone you come in contact with but I would recommend that you set boundaries. So you have to know who is going in your inner circle, who you can share your thoughts with, your ideas with, who you can learn from. 
you have to really be aware of those things because like yourself, I've made a lot of terrible mistakes that have cost me, but I've learned from them. And I think it's a very important aspect of business or even life that persons need to pay close attention to because sometimes we say things to the wrong people that don't have our best interests at heart. And just by the negative energy that they bring, those things can determine whether or not you even get opportunities from, you know, gain opportunities because you don't know if they're undermining you in a subtle way. So you have to really be mindful of those things and just give yourself some time to get to know people. Don't be quick to rush into people because everyone doesn't have your mindset everyone doesn't have a genuine interest in people like you some persons they are just on an assignment to deceive and to destroy whereas they're persons that they come into your life to really serve to help you to move to the next level so you definitely need discernment to be able to to be able to identify those things and I always believe when people show who you show you who they are, just believe them. So if somebody shows you that they're not nice, they're selfish from the onset, just believe them and don't even try to expect more from that person. Mm, that's so true, Sherry Ann. Um, as we kind of wrap up the discussion, I wanted to touch on, you know, as, as you started this on, uh, bit your own business. And I know there's a lot of uh, people listening that are either, you know, they've always had that idea of starting a business on something that they truly passionate about, but they haven't taken that leap of faith to start it because they're at this other job, this corporate job, or whatever uh, trade that they do or whatever work that they're, they're in. Uh, and they haven't yet started to, you know, take control of their own destiny to to do what and live into their true calling and purpose, like we we talked about earlier. Um, so, what advice would you have as um, a, a now a business owner? Um, what advice would you have for those that are have an idea, they want to start their own venture, they haven't really done it, or they're just they just have that idea and they're just right now planning it? What advice would you have about starting? your own um, business and being, being an entrepreneur? I think the first thing you need is a business plan. <laughs> because if you're going to the bank for funding, you need that business plan. If you are going to open a business account in some jurisdictions, you need a business plan. So you need a plan. Where am I going in the next five years, 10 years, one year, and how am I going to get there? So you have to have that plan. That's the first thing. You have to have support and psychological support. When I say support, not just financial, because sometimes you can start a really good business with that doesn't require that much capital. But when times get challenging, you need one, the mental fortitude to withstand the challenges and you need support, that encouragement, those kind words to really help you to press through those challenging moments. 
I think you need to have an understanding of finances because there are times when abundance will come. Your abundance may come at the beginning of your business venture. It may come at the middle of your business venture. But it is one thing to have abundance, but it's another thing to have or maintain wealth. And the difference between having abundance and wealth is with abundance, you gain a lot at one point, but then wealth and well, wealth and generational wealth, some people call it, is putting systems in place to maintain the wealth. Um, I'm, I know you would have heard of and seen a lot of persons in sports, a lot of athletes, they were, you know, they were great and they would have gotten to the peak in their career and they would have accumulated a lot of wealth. But when they retired, they're living like regular persons because they did not create a system to maintain the wealth. So creating a system and structure is very important because remember in life, you have seasons. When we look at the Bible with Joseph, he when, when there was a lot of abundance, he stored up the abundance because he knew that there would be a time where there would be a time of famine. And it happens in business. There are times based on the economy, the economy may go into a recession. Companies may not necessarily be spending as much as they used to. So you may not be getting the business that you were getting two years ago or a year ago. So it's very important to have like a savings, an emergency savings, invest your money wisely. Real estate is a good investment. You can invest in land or whatever you choose to invest in that you think will yield a return on your investment. But I would definitely recommend that. And I recommend prayer and knowing the Bible, knowing what the word of God says as it relates to wealth. So it's very important to know that once you work diligently, you will obtain wealth because the Bible says diligent hands make it wealth. If you don't work, then you won't get the wealth. Don't think because you have the great idea, you will just automatically become successful. Again, you have to put in the work. You need strategy. You need a proper marketing strategy. You need to know whether or not you are relevant on social media or your channel of getting your message across is probably directly through an email or simply picking up the phone or just being a part of strategic groups that will enable you to connect with your prospective clients. You need to understand that when you have prospective customers, because customer service is very important in business and we take that for granted that value added experience that experience that makes the customer want to return it's a it's a part of business that you cannot take for granted no matter how small your business is that emotional intelligence knowing when to you know evoke the right emotions to get the desired outcome being empathetic putting yourself in the customer's shoe they're showing them that you care about them and simply de delivering quality service creating that experience that will enable the customer to come back and more importantly building and maintaining relationships sometimes 
a customer may reach out to you for information and you have to begin to strategize in your mind, how can I use this opportunity where a customer is calling me for just information to convert this prospective customer into an actual customer that is doing business with my company. So you have to think along those lines. You have to have a passion to give back. It's not always about making money, but it's also about giving back. I have several charities that I give to, and I think to whom much is given, much is required. I remember I was facilitating a, an emotional intelligence course several weeks ago, and there was a young man there sharing his experience about his house being burned. And he began expressing the different emotions he experienced after going through that ordeal and how the course has helped him to process what he went through a lot better. And one of the students expressed compassion. And of course, I heard a little voice in my head saying, to whom much is given, much is required. And uh, we decided to offer a donation to this young man. He didn't answer it. But just thinking about the situation, having to go through that, losing your home, losing your home, still coming to this training, participating, as if nothing happened. I mean, that spoke volumes to our team. And I think as an organization, you have to be mindful of those things. You have to really look back, look at the different areas you can provide your service to, even if it's offering a free service, but you have to really consider those things because they will definitely go a long way. People may not necessarily remember what you may have said to them, but they will remember how you made them feel. And I think that's a quote from the late Mayo Angelo. And I honestly believe once you create opportunities for persons to feel as though they are they're valued, it makes a difference. And you're fulfilled giving back to society because your life is not just about you and your family, but it's about giving back to society. How can I give back? And for me, I'm passionate about the world of work because I've had so many different experiences in my career and in business. And for me, I just want to see talents in the workplace being optimized in order to produce results that will enable organizations to achieve their vision or their goals, whether it's short-term, medium-term, or long-term. Wow, Sherianne, I really, really enjoyed this discussion so much. It, you provided so much great insights through your journey your different experiences. And uh, I genuinely really, really uh, in, enjoyed uh, this, this podcast. It was a pleasure sharing my journey and it doesn't end. I will be writing my book, The World of Work. 
um, navigating the world of work. And, uh, you know, I have so many other experiences to share and I just can't wait. It's a guide for particularly young persons leaving university to really help them to know what to expect because for me, when I left university, I thought it would have been automatic. I would have automatically gotten a job and I would have automatically ascended into a leadership role, but that wasn't necessarily my reality. I went through so many highs and lows before I got to where I am and before I even got a job. So I think sharing the different things they can expect will help them to prepare for that transition when they're transitioning from school to the work environment, because oftentimes we have a lot of persons with academic qualifications, but the soft skills, that ability to build relationships, manage conflicts, work as a team, be mentored and mentor other persons, effective communication, those things are lacking. And I remember having a conversation with an HR director and she said to me, we have all the qualified people in our organization. What we lack is we lack the soft skills and this is what we need, definitely need this. And I believe this is one of the reasons why a lot of companies seek our consultancy services to enable them to help their staff to develop those skills in order to increase productivity in the workplace. Another thing I forgot to mention were the low moments for me well, one of them in particular, when we first started, a number of doors were closed. Not many companies had confidence in our ability to serve their team members. And I remember the first major break we got was with the Celeste Bird Medical Center, which is now Mount St. John Medical Center in Antigua and Barbuda. We were able to, we were awarded the contract to facilitate customer service and conflict management for 650 employees. And that was the first major opportunity. And then after that, opportunities just began coming and we were able to use that experience in order to really provide better service for our clients. But I can remember when persons would be so disrespectful, where they would reject the offers, where they would slam the phone down, where they would say, we don't want your service. And if we wanted a service, it wouldn't be yours. I remember those moments and they were very discouraging days, but I could have given up. But my team and I, we continue to persist. We continue to press on to the point where Instead of us reaching out at times, these companies are reaching out to us because of the experience they get when they do a program with the apex of training and development. And I would like to say a special commendation to the instructors who do such a wonderful job, who masterfully execute those programs and who understand the vision and they're working towards making the work environment a place of effective
effectiveness and excellence. And I'm grateful for that. Well, that's awesome. Thank you again, Sherry Ann, for your time. I really enjoyed the discussion and, and all the insights you provided. Um, if you want to learn more about uh, the work that Sherry Ann is doing, I will drop a link on the podcast description uh, on whichever platform you're listening to. Um, you can just uh, click on the link in the description and it will take you uh, directly to their website. So thank you again, uh, Sherry Ann. Thank you, Cameron, for having me. Well, we hope you enjoyed the podcast interview with Sherry Ann Hodge. I hope you were able to take away some lessons learned and some nuggets from this interview. Um, it was an amazing interview. with She's so knowledgeable. And so really hope that this helped you uh, wherever you're at in your journey of navigation and discovery. Also, my first ever book is out. It's called Navigation and Discovery, A Path of Navigating and Discovering Through Your Journey of Faith. So if you have not gotten a copy of this book, get your copy at CameronSingBook.com. The link is in the podcast description. Again, CameronSingBook.com. I really hope you can get a copy of this book in any format that you would like. Uh, paperback audiobook there's a study guide available as well and there's electronic formats uh, if that's the way that you uh, consume content and also if you would like to gift this copy to someone as well feel free to go on the website as well and you can gift that co- the copy of navigation and discovery to someone if you really enjoyed this podcast and have been following me for a while Um, Feel free to subscribe on whichever platform that you're listening on uh, so that you'll get notified when the next episode goes live. And also, if you can, do me a favor and give an awesome rating on whichever platform that you're listening on. So it helps really spread the message of this podcast and gets out to a broader audience. So thank you so much for tuning in to Navigation and Discovery with Cameron Singh. And we will catch you on the next episode.